John chapter 7. And we'll read verses 1 and 2, and then verses 14 and 15, and then verses 37 through 39 in John chapter 7. It says this in the Word of God. John chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. But the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. Verses 14 and 15. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Now verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Let us pray again, please. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And Lord, we just plead the blood and claim the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're so thankful that we have instant access to the throne of God, instant access to the one that can meet our needs and desires to meet our needs, whatever that need might be today. Uh, dear God, we pray that you'd move in uh, that spiritual need. Lord, somebody listening or somebody here that needs to be saved, uh, somebody here that just needs to uh, get realigned or just uh, a little something extra to keep on, uh, keep it on. God, you know the needs of people's hearts. And Lord, I pray you would just help people today, just strengthen them in the inner man with might by the Holy Spirit. Lord, that our desire uh, would be towards you. Uh, Lord, again, physical needs that have been mentioned, dear Lord. Lord, we uh, uh, think of uh, uh, Kay and the situation there at that home, Lord. We pray you uh, give wisdom uh, to the doctor and the families uh, there. Lord, I pray for uh, Sister Sherry and her family uh, with the passing of her brother uh, Bob. Lord, I uh, thank you that, uh, Lord, we know where he is and, Lord, that she has peace about that. But yet, uh, there's still that feel of loss. So I pray that you'd be with her and her family today and others, dear God, that are bearing burdens. God, that we would just cast it all upon you and rest in your faithfulness. Now again, Lord, teach us and guide us through your word that Jesus, first of all, would be exalted and glorified. Lord, you'd build your local church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, notice uh, verses 1 and 2 again. It says, In these things, Jesus, uh, uh, and after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee after he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. And notice verse 2 Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. Feast of tabernacles was at hand. Now, of course, when you uh, uh, study the Word of God, you see that there were many uh, feasts that the Jews celebrated. And feasts were a big part of the Jewish life. And, of course, God ordained it that way. And he gave him these feasts, of course, for clear purposes. There was a purpose uh, behind each feast that they celebrated. And there were daily celebrations. There were weekly celebrations. There were monthly celebrations. Of course, there were the big ones, right? The yearly celebrations, three uh, main ones, uh, I believe. But uh, it was interesting uh, that God gave them this. And of course, you know, everything God does, he does for a purpose, right? And of course, they were celebrating, but he also did it for a purpose uh, uh, just because he was trying to deal with a, a nation and keep that nation and keep those people where they should be uh, before God and where they should be, amen, uh, 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 even, even with one another. 
So uh, let, let me share uh, this with you as we think about just the thought of festivals. God desired in these festivals, of course, uh, there was a requirement for attendance, right? He wanted the people to attend uh, these festivals, of course, and he wanted them to come to a specific place. There was the tent, and now here it's at the temple. And uh, one of the, some of the reasons that he did this was wo- that he wanted a oneness of the nation, that a oneness of the nation might be maintained and submitted, right? That the people, right, the thought of them being one nation and being unified would uh, be maintained and that uh, the the people would uh, have a habit of congregating uh, in one place and with as as one soul taking uh, taking part, you see that thought a lot of times throughout uh, uh, the Word of God. One of my f- favorite places is in Nehemiah, where they came out uh, together as one man. It says there, and as they, they as they participated in the same religious service, and uh, but of course that oneness was primary and chiefly when they got together was a religious one, uh, not a political one. And so we need to remember that, right? Uh, even though they were a nation, the main reason putting them together was not a political one, but a religious one. And of course, it wasn't just about the people just merely getting together to socialize among themselves and meet among themselves, even though that was a good thing to do. But they were also there not just to meet with one another, but of course, to meet with Jehovah. Uh, they were there to meet with God and also to present themselves before God as not only individually, but collectively as one people and a nation. And so the meeting uh, in, in its own nature right, was it was it was a help, help bind the people together in fellowship again with each other and with uh, God, with Jehovah. And so uh, it was it was a, a time of a, a religious cel- celebration, even though they were celebrating it as as a nation. And so uh, and reminding them of their covenant that they had with Jehovah. And so uh, uh, through these things, right, uh, God worked in the people as one. God worked in the people as a nation, and it helped keep the people's uh, consciousness alive, right, of of being one and of having a relationship with God. And these times were used, of course, to uh, revive the nation, uh, to strengthen the nation, and, of course, to uh, to perpetuate the thought of, of being a unified people. And so uh, these were very important events. But it's kind of interesting as, as uh, I looked at these events, these feasts and studied these events and thought about what it says here, uh, some of the purposes that God uh, gave these events for the people to get together. I couldn't help but think about uh, the church, right? It made me think about the church. And a lot of the same reasons I believe that God had them get together he, he is why he has the people of God gathered together. Now, when you think of the church, of course, we have a building. Now, of course, the, 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 the building in the age of the church doesn't have the significance that the tabernacle had, doesn't have the significance that the temple had. So uh, we don't, we don't uh, look at it the same way. We just look at the, 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 the building as a place. Hey, it's a place for the church, which is the people, right? Remember, the church is a people put together by God, not a building put together by man. But hey, uh, it just says, hey, that's the one place where the church gathers. And so we like it because it keeps the rain off of our head. Amen. Uh, keeps us warm uh, when it's cold out there and cool when it's hot out there. And, uh, and uh, uh, so that we can, uh, and we have a kitchen here, right? So we can, uh, 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 you know, have a fellowship hall. So whenever we decide to have dinner on the ground, we say, okay, who's going to have it at their house this week, right? Right? So it's nice to have a building, but we know that's not what it's about. But 
the Bible in the New Testament, right, in the New Testament believers, again, which, which is the church, the people, right, if you think about some of the reasons that God had them come together, it, it, it's some of the same reason that God has us come together in one assembly, right, because uh, God wants to keep the, 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 the consciousness and the spirit of the church alive and the people, and as we come together, God can stir us and revive us and, and strengthen us, and he wants to uh, uh, keep the, the church going uh, down through uh, the generations. So it just shows that, hey, uh, all, all, all through uh, 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 the, the timeline and the generations, that whenever God had a people, wherever God had a people, amen, he wanted to meet with them, he wanted them to meet together in one assembly, all right? He wanted them to have a great relationship with him. He wanted them to have a great relationship uh, uh, together and be unified. And so that's sort of a side note from this, but I think it's a wonderful thought as we think about uh, God uh, uh, doing things to uh, keep his people together. Now, specifically, of course, we're talking here about the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me give you some thoughts on that. Now, of course, the Feast of Tabernacles fell on the 15th day of the seventh month, and it continued for seven days. And then, of course, the eighth day was a special day. It was known as a holy convocation. And Israel, of course, during this time, they were to dwell in booths. Booths. I got to always clarify that booths. Because uh, I was, uh, I might have mentioned this before, I was preaching from Jeremiah one time at a church, and, and they were talking about uh, uh, dwelling in booths where God told them to go to the mountain and, and make booths for themselves. But uh, I'd been preaching for a while, and this was near the end of the message, and my throat was real dry. And so it sounded like I, I said, God said, go to the mountains and make booths for yourselves. And uh, everybody from Kentucky got real excited. You know, and I said, no, booths. I was trying to clarify it was T-H-S, right? Right? B-O-T-H-S, not B-O-Z-E. So I want to clarify, right? He said, go make booths for yourselves. Amen? And so I had to cl clarify that there because people started laughing. I was like, ah, right? Uh, so I want to clarify, he, they, they lived in booths. They went and they made booths uh, and dwelt in them during the feast. And, of course, this was uh, uh, to remember something to remember that when God brought them out of Egypt, right, that they, they dwelt in, in tents or they dwelt in booths or they dwelt in a temporary dwelling uh, during that time. Let me give you a couple of verses here concerning the Feast of the Tabernacles. Leviticus 23, 34 says this, uh, Speak unto the children of Israel. Uh, he's talking to Moses, of course. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. Leviticus 23, 41. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statue forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Verse uh, 43 of Leviticus 23. That your generations may know. Think about this. That your generations may know. I like that. You know, hey, he says, listen, I don't want your generations to forget how I've taken care of you. And how I've watched over you, right? Remind the next generation. We got to make sure, right? Uh, of course, that we're living for God in our generation, but the importance of us passing things on to the next generation. He says that uh, 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 the generations, right, that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths. Got that? Uh, when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. 
And so we need to realize it was the, on the 15th of the day of the seventh month. And then another significance of that, it was celebrated at the end of their harvest. At the end of their harvest, when they enjoyed the fruits of God's goodness, the fruits of God's goodness. Deuteronomy 16, 13 says this, Thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days, after that thou hast gathered in, notice that statement, gathered in thy corn and thy wine. And so uh, it was a time of celebration. Uh, I, know, I know some countries have celebrations when, of harvest. I remember being in the Ukraine at a time when they were at the end of harvest and they were celebrating. In Romania, uh, they have a celebration of, uh, I think it's called the celebration of most. The celebration of most when they... When they uh, uh, when they bring in their grapes and they make their new wine and they celebrate for a few days before it actually turns to wine and everybody can uh, drink it. But they have, a, they have a, 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 a celebration. And so they celebrated at the end of harvest. And so therefore, not only was this time known as the Feast of Tabernacles, but it was also an alternate name was the Feast of Engathering. The Feast of Engathering. And you see that thought in Exodus 23, verse 16 which says this, and the feast of harvest, notice that, the first fruits of thy labor, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, think about that thought, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. And so we see during this celebration, they were to dwell in booths, right? Which is what? A temporary dwelling. And so uh, why were they to do that? Because it's a reminder. It's a reminder that they were pilgrims as they were out in the wilderness, as they went through the wilderness. They were pilgrims and sojourners, right? God was constantly reminding them, hey, you're just a pilgrim and a sojourner. Now, not too many of us, as far as I know, nobody's living in a tent or a, or, or, or a booth. I know we sing that song, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below. You know, like they say, uh, you know, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them, right? <laughs> we all, you know, we all want that a nice house. But listen, uh, listen, but even that, that God's been in his grace has given us a nice home. We still need to remember we're pilgrims and sojourners in this earth. So God reminds us through his word. And then the thought of it being at the time of harvest, then gathering. It's a reminder, of course, one of the Lord's provision and blessing. And of course, we can all celebrate God's provision and blessing in our life. But also it was a reminder of the great harvest. Amen. That one day God's going to have a great in gathering, right? He's going to gather all his uh, uh, people together. And what a great day that will be, that Jesus is coming again, and he's going to, amen, he's going to reap the harvest of, amen, the greatest commission, the people that have been saved. So the feast, of course, it prefigured or also gave a thought of the time uh, that there's going to be a, a millennium, right? There's going to be a time, a, a time of rest. So the feast prefigured the millennium, right, when all the people would enter into full blessing. That's why it had that eighth day. That great day. Say, notice that thought. That eighth day was called the great day. And so we need to remember as Christians, amen, a great day is coming, amen. A great day is coming uh, when Jesus, right, will rule and reign, right? We won't have to go and uh, vote every four years, right? The vote has been cast, right? All the believers are going to vote for Jesus, amen, and he's going to rule and reign, and that'll be a great day during the day of millennium, right? The eighth day, the great day, the communion of the heavenly 
earthly. And so the reason that is significant, the, the number eight in the Bible, right? We know the number seven represents completion, right? Uh, Jesus, right? He worked for six days, rested. And on the seventh day, everything, everything. But eight is the number of new beginnings, the day, number of new beginnings. And so that's why it is associated with the millennium, because during that time, right, that thousand-year reign is going to be a time of new beginnings on this earth, a time of new beginnings on this earth. Let me give you a couple of verses for that. And so Leviticus 23, 36 says, Seven days ye shall offer an offer made by fire to the Lord, but on the eighth day... On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. Numbers 29, 35 says, On the eighth day ye shall have a solemn assembly. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Amen. He said, hey, the eighth day is a day of rest. And boy, that's what the millennium is going to be for uh, 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 believers. And now uh, it was it, it, on their calendar, it was the fifth, it began on the 15th day of the seventh month. On our calendar, it would have been around September, uh, October uh, time frame. So uh, uh, I said all that to say this, just to give a little background on the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, but some uh, interesting things that they did during that celebration. During that celebration. During that time of celebration, one thing that the priests would do because remember, it's a, it's a remembrance of God taking care of them as they travel through the wilderness. And so uh, uh, what would happen is the priests, they had these golden vessels. Now think about this. They had these golden vessels, and they would take these golden vessels uh, down to the pool of Siloam, right? Down the pool, and they would fill them with water. And then they would come back, and during the celebration, that from these golden vessels, they would pour that water from the pool of Siloam into these silver vessels. Now get that thought in your mind. The golden vessel, right, is filled with water. And where did the water come from? It came from the pool of Siloam and it was poured from the golden vessel into the silver vessel. Now remember, everything God does pictures something. Everything God, uh, about everything God does, there's a type, there's a significance uh, uh, to it. And so, of course, uh, the water represented that uh, reminding them that God, amen, he gave them water in the wilderness. He quenched their thirst in the wilderness. And how did he do that? By, by bringing water out of the great rock in the wilderness. Of course, uh, uh, let me give you a, a verse there, Exodus 17, 6. When God says, hey, they were crying for water and God says, OK, I'm going to give you water. And he says to Moses in Exodus 17, 6, behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock in Horeb and thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, we understand, right, that that was a type of Christ. We realize that that Christ is the rock and the smiting of the rock right, uh, was a sign of judgment, right, uh, uh, for the water to come forth, for salvation to come forth out of Christ, right, he had to be smitten, and of course, he was smitten upon the cross. Now, we, again, we all know that that happened a second time, and the second time, he wasn't to smite it, he was only to speak to it, and that's why Moses got in trouble, because he smote it, right? Jesus only died for our sins once. We only need to be saved once. Once we get saved, hey, the first thing we need from God is salvation, right, and he was smitten. 
smitten for you and he paid the price for you, right? The rock was smitten and salvation came forth and grace came forth and mercy came forth and love, amen, it gushed out of the rock, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And aren't you glad now that when you want something from God, uh, from the rock, all you got to do is speak to it, amen? And the water and what you need will come flowing from the rock. Just go speak to the rock and what you need, amen, will come flowing from the rock. Wisdom, grace, guidance, whatever you need, amen, will come flowing from the rock as we speak, as we pray. And so the Bible makes it clear that that rock was a type or signify the Lord Jesus Christ. I love these verses. Paul references this in 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, to me, these are just, uh, listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 and verse 4 say this. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now, of course, see, he's referring to the time when they came out of Egypt. And, of course, they all passed through the Red Sea. Then he comes down to verse 4 and references the rock in the wilderness. And he says this, And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. I mean, that's just amazing. That, 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 that just amazing. And, and even it talks about the prophets as that spirit of Christ, which was in them. You see, uh, it's always been Jesus. It's always been Jesus. People said, well, you know, in this dispensation, you got to save that way. And this dispensation, all this stuff, you know, uh, listen, it's always been Jesus. Beginning to end, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the truth life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. I don't care. I don't care uh, 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 what chapter of the Bible you lived in, amen, what dispensation you lived in, amen, whether it was just Adam and Eve, amen, or uh, whoever it was. It's always been Jesus. Now, again, think about this. Now, notice again, the, 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 they poured water out of a golden vessel. They poured water out of a golden vessel. What does gold, what, a picture of a type, what does gold represent in the Bible? Somebody tell me. Raise your hand. What's the gold represent in the Bible? Come on. Don't be shy. Yes. Deity. Gold represents deity. And then where did they, when they did it, where did they get the water from? The pool of Siloam. What does Siloam mean? Somebody tell me, what does Siloam mean? What does it mean? The pool of Siloam means? Yes. Scent. Scent. So we got gold that represents deity. We get it from the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And then when they did it, as they were celebrating and they were pouring this water out to thank the Lord for the water, amen, they were pouring it into what? Silver vessels. And what does silver represent? What does silver represent in the Word of God? It represents, we taught, we taught this doctrine, like, re redemption. It, it represents, now, now think about that. I mean, when you think about that, I mean, Ah, that's just, I don't know about you, man, that, that, that just fires me up. That in this celebration, as they celebrated the goodness and the grace of God, amen, as they celebrated that, hey, we're just pilgrims and sojourners, as they celebrated, amen, the provision and blessing of God, as they celebrated the fact that God quenched their thirst 
in the wilderness. Amen. They did it by bringing golden vessels represent deity. And they filled, amen, those golden vessels from the, uh, the place that means sent. And then they poured them in to vessels of silver that represented redemption. Think about that uh, uh, there. Again, let me give you the fact that Siloam meat sent. John 9, 7 says, and said to them, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. So we see that's the meaning. Again, then it was poured into a silver vessel before the people, silver representing uh, redemption. And again, so put that together. And what do you have? You have deity, right? If you take the types, you have deity, Poured out, right? You have deity sent and poured out into redemption. You get that picture? The gold, the water from the pool of Siloam into the silver. So the, 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 the picture that God is giving there is you have, you have deity that's filled, amen, with that which quenches your thirst. You have deity filled with that which quenches your thirst, Right. And it came from the place of scent and it's being poured out into redemption. It's being poured out into redemption. And then as they as they as this water was being poured out, one of the verses they would sing was Isaiah 12, 3, which says this. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. That's one of the things they would sing. One of the stanzas they would sing as 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 these golden vessels. We're pouring the water out in the silver vessels. They would sing, there with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And so this great celebration, especially the day that all these things came together, was known as the great day of rejoicing. Amen. Hey, hey man, can't wait till tomorrow. We're really going to shout it out tomorrow. Amen. Uh, that's the great day of rejoicing when we celebrate, amen, that God took care of us and we're just sojourners and pilgrims. Amen. And that, that, that God uh, met our needs and that one day he's going to gather us all together. We're gathered together here and we enjoy that. But one day there's going to be that great gathering place and God has provided for us and God has blessed us and boy they sang it on that great day of celebration now remember uh, water in the Bible means uh, different things in the Bible if the water uh, if it talks about using the water for cleansing then it represents the word of God because it's the word of God of course that cleanses us when it talks about water for drinking normally right it represents the Holy Spirit right because the Holy Spirit right uh, 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 is poured into us so we, we have water that cleanses we have water uh, amen that we can drink amen water that we can drink from and and quenches our thirst and refreshes us the Holy Spirit so now imagine this imagine this on this day during the festival, during the great, it was a great time of celebration. It was a great time of significance. And of course, we see it was a great time of symbolism. Everything symbolized uh, something. The harvest, the booze, uh, uh, the, the golden vessel, the water, uh, the silver, everything symbolized. And so during this, they got this picture and the Lord stands up. 
The Lord stands up and he says this again, verses 37 and 38. It says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so what is he saying here? Basically, he's saying this. I am that golden vessel. I am the vessel of deity. I am the vessel of deity. I am the sent water. And I am here to be poured out, amen, into your redemption. And so take note of that. All this symbolizes me, amen. I'm your provider. I'm the one that met your need. And so when you look at this golden vessel, realize, amen, I am he. I am deity before you. And I'm filled with that which can quench your thirst. Amen. And I've been sent to be poured out. Amen. To pour myself out for your redemption. I'm the one that all this is about. And so now he declares openly to all. Christ says again, Jesus says here, and now he's saying to everybody, basically what he said to an individual in John 4. Remember John 4, the woman at the well? Jesus said this to an individual. In John 4, of course, we know it as the woman at the well. Verse 13 says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But verse 14, But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give in him will be what? A well of water springing up into everlasting life. And so you see, uh, whether he's talking to an individual, hey, uh, Jesus Christ is just as excited to give his message to an individual as he is to give it to a crowd. You know, the times when we get a bunch of people, we, get, we sort of get puffed up and get the big head. Hey, we should be just as excited to give the gospel of Jesus Christ, to give the message of Jesus Christ to an individual as we are to a crowd. You know, uh, a lot of times I, I like one-on-one, you know, I've, I've, I've traveled and I've been in villages and I've been able to uh, preach to thousands of people at one time. Sure, that was exciting. But I want you to know it was just as exciting to sit across the table from somebody, amen, and uh, give the gospel to that individual. And that's how Jesus was. He was willing to go and give the same message. Hey, hey, individual, individual, hey, thirsty individual, I want you to know I'll give you uh, something that'll quench your thirst, amen. Then he says to to the masses. Hey, listen, come one. Remember, remember the water gushed out of that rock in the wilderness. And what does that mean? Hey, uh, listen, I, I, I've said this before. If we all wanted to drink from the water fountain, we'd have to stand in line. Amen. But when the water's gushing out, nobody has to stand in line. Everybody can come and drink at the same time. Amen. And that's the good thing about Jesus. Everybody can come to Jesus at the same time. Nobody has to stand in line. We can all drink together. We can all get our needs meet together. Well, everything that we need from him. So basically he's saying, I'm the gold, amen, of deity. I am the sent water that came to pour out my life for your redemption. And so now what he declared to that individual, he now declares openly. So Christ says, hey, come one, come all, amen. Come one, come all. Only Christ can satisfy. Only Christ can satisfy the deepest longings of the heart and soul. What do you say? If any man thirst, what is a, a, a thirst? Now, of course, we know what it means uh, when we really actually physically thirst for water. But, of course, that, that thought of thirst means have a, have, a, have a ardent desire for something. Have an ardent and serious desire, a passionate desire for something, an affectionate, a zealous desire for something. Hey, listen, we all thirst for something today. The question is, what are you thirsting for? Hey, listen, if you're thirsting, amen, if you're lost and you're thirsting for a real salvation, amen, hey, 
come to Christ, having that strong desire. And as believers, right, Christ wants us to thirst and hunger after him. We should have strong desires after spiritual blessings because nothing, again, nothing can satisfy or comfort like the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives once we drink from the rock that is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 44, 3 says this, God said, I will pour my water upon him that is thirsty. I will pour my water upon him that is thirsty. So the question is, hey, how thirsty are you for something real? How thirsty are you to have a changed life? How thirsty are you to have your sins forgiven? Or if you're saved, how thirsty are you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How thirsty are you to walk consciously and daily in the will and blessings and hand of God upon your life? And he said, for that to happen, come unto me. Can it be any clearer than these verses, Christ acknowledges himself that he alone can meet the need of the thirsty soul. He says, as the scripture has said, hey, listen, hey, listen, uh, there's only God's way. Uh, yesterday, um, uh, yesterday I, I was coming down a road and I saw uh, what looked like these landscapers or people that work in yards. It's kind of early in the day and I noticed this truck with a bunch of to- uh, tools hanging on it for working in the yard. And they pulled in. Was kind of funny about last night. Uh, I, I don't know. It was around seven, whatever time it was. I think around uh, seven or so. Uh, uh, I, I, I was uh, this car pulled up next to me, and it was that same vehicle, right? And I said to the guy, I said, I said, man, you guys, you guys uh, work hard all day. He said, yeah, we're getting ready to uh, do something else. Anyways, I got talking to the guy, trying to witness to him, and he he was. He was sidetracked on something. He got sidetracked on. He says, "Would well, you ever notice the Coptic, you know, the Coptic uh, uh, church of, you know, in Egypt?" And he said, "You know, all the, they copied all that stuff from the Coptics." And he got all sidetracked on that. And I said, "Well, I said, you know, I don't know. I don't understand that. All I know is that Jesus Christ is the only way. Amen. He's the only one." They have tried to witness him to a little bit, but saw it wasn't going too far. So I just say, hey, "You guys look like hard workers." Have a nice day. Amen. But tried to, tried to get a witness in there. Boy, people are sidetracked by so many things. So Jesus makes it clear that he is the only way and you must come unto him and you must come to him according to the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, we see God willingly calling men to let him meet the needs of their soul. I love this verse, Isaiah 55, 1. Oh, everyone that thirsteth. What? Come ye to the waters, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Because we know you can only purchase by faith from God. The Bible ends with that invitation. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life. Isn't that amazing thing? Right at the very end of the Bible, before God writes the end, Right before God puts the end in his book, he reminds you that you can have a new beginning. (laughs) Just before I end, I want one last reminder, one last invitation that you can have a new beginning. Amen. If you'll come unto me, if you'll thirst for righteousness, if you'll thirst for what's right. And the spirit and the bride, that's the church. That's what we're supposed to listen to right to the very end. He's saying, come. Now, we don't know when Jesus is coming again. We don't know when our life will end. But the Bible, that's a good example that till the very end. To the very end, hey, when there are only a few verses left, hey, when we only got a few minutes left, 
We only got a few breaths left, amen, to the very end, amen. We should want to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We should want to be given the invitation for the Lord Jesus Christ. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And it says rivers of living water. Of course, we looked at this, it speaks of abundance. The Holy Spirit, again, is more than enough of what we need to sustain us. There's enough for us. Now it says out of his belly. You see, before it can flow out, it's got to come in. Amen. It's got to come in so it can flow out. And so there's enough for us and there's enough for us to share with others. You see, as we as it comes into us, what does it do? It ministers to us. It takes care of us. It meets our needs. It comforts our heart. It gives us wisdom. It gives us what we need to be sustained as believers. So as it, as the good things of God come in, they minister to us. But as we allow them to flow out, Amen. They're used to minister to somebody else. You see, God wants to bring it in us to minister to us. And then he wants to let it go through us to minister to others. That is what God wants. Isaiah 58, 11 says this. And the Lord shall guide thee continually. He wants to guide you and satisfy thy soul in drought. God wants to guide you. He wants to satisfy you. He says, look at it. I will make fat thy Bones. I will make fat those bones. Amen. Uh, uh, right. Uh, he, he, he give, give you uh, what you need. Amen. Uh, uh, to, to, to stay healthy and to be sustained. And thou shall look at it. I love this. And thou shall be like a water garden, like a watered garden. Boy, it says that a couple times in the word of God. Thou shall be like a, a watered garden. Amen. In a watered garden. Amen. Everything grows. Right. Uh, you got a field out there. You got corn. You got this. You got that. During the harvest, they weren't only gathering one crop. They were gathering many crops. Amen. And God, amen, wants to, us to uh, be sustained in, uh, with all our needs. What? Whose waters fail not. Amen. When you're, when you're under the right spigot, amen, the water, amen, it, it will never cease to flow will never cease to flow. And that's what God wants. God wants an unhindered flow through our life. God wants an unhindered flow through our life. You know, sometimes there can be an obstruction. And you know, it doesn't take something big. You know, the Bible says a little fox is spoiled. It doesn't take something big to, to hinder the flow. You know, uh, uh, how many times at my own house, uh, I've seen at my house, the, uh, I'll, I'll turn on the faucet and, and it looks like there's a hindrance in the flow. I've seen it here at the, at, at the church there, right? I'll see it. Uh, one day one of my daughters called me over and said, Dad, uh, uh, do we need new faucets, you know? I went in there and there, uh, uh, the, 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 there was a hindrance in the, in the flow there. And, you know, in, in, in all those instances, it's usually the same thing. The problem wasn't, the problem wasn't that there was a, a, a boulder blocking it at the source, Right. It, it, it wasn't a problem in the, in, in, in the water power. Right. The, the, amount, the power of the water was good. You know what it was? It was right there where the flow came out. And so you twist off the cap, just in case you don't know, this, twist off the cap. And you know what happens? These little tiny grains of sand or dirt get in there. Right. And you think, man, something must be wrong because it's at half capacity. And you just take that and you tap it a little bit. And those little grains of sand or little grains of dirt go out and you stick back in. There, all of a sudden, wow, you got normal flow. Got normal flow. Wasn't some big boulder at the source. Listen, let me tell you, if, if there's a problem with the flow in your life, I'll guarantee you it's not at the source. Amen. I guarantee you it's not about the power of the flow coming through. 
Listen, it, 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 it may not be something big in your life, amen, but sometimes it's just, it's just hey, uh, uh, not, maybe it's, oh, one grain of sand may not do it, but boy, those little grains of sand began to build up and pile up in our life, and all of a sudden we notice the flow is being hindered, amen? We need to open that up and need to knock it up against something. You know where you knock it, you need to knock it, knock it on, amen, uh, uh, knock on heaven's door there and say, Lord, uh, open up, man. I need to take care of some things. I need to fix this flow problem right here. And so as we finish up here, verse 39, but this he spake again to the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. You see, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is what? To point people to Jesus to lift up Jesus and to glorify Jesus. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Point people to Jesus, lift up Jesus, glorify Jesus. John 16, 14. When Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he said this, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. The Holy Spirit's job is to get from me and pass it on to you. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to get things from him and pass it on to us through the Holy Spirit. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, he will do just that. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you, to point people to Jesus, to work through you, to lift up Jesus, and to work through you to glorify Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit uh, wants to do. But listen, uh, it all begins, amen, you must thirst and you must come. There are requirements, amen, you must thirst and you must come. And so I ask you this morning, friend, are you, are you thirsting and what do you thirst for? As long as you thirst for the world, you're not going to get the help you need, right? Remember, uh, 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 the full soul, the full soul loatheth even the honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. As long as you're full of the things of the world, as long as you're full of yourself, amen, as long as you're full of what you want in life and, and you, all those things, amen, uh, uh, you, you, listen, you're too full of other things, amen, uh, uh, to get what you need from Jesus. You need to become hungry. You need to become thirsty, amen, and then you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Psalm 63.1 says this, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee. That should be the testimony of everyone. Oh, when I get up in the morning, I, wait, I get up thirsty, amen. My soul wakes up thirsting. Throughout the day, I'm thirsting for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. As believers, that's some of the things we're supposed to thirst and hunger for. Righteousness, holiness, amen, and the glory of God. So notice verse, verse 37 says these words, that great day, that great day. You see, that was a great day, amen, uh, of that feast, a great day of celebration, a great day of remembrance, amen, a great day of blessing. That was a great day on that day. But you know what? Today can be a great day in your life. If you're not saved, today could be a great day, the day that you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Or if you are saved again and a few grains of sand or something have gotten in the way, hey, today could be a great day. Amen. Uh, you let God, you let God uh, fix that problem, get rid of those grains of sand or grains of dirt that have uh, hindered the flow. That would be a great day. It'd be a great day. Amen. If we all walked out of here. Amen. And the only thing we were thirsting for was him. Amen. Thirsting for him and more of him and his will and his glory. So he said, if any man thirst, 
So listen, my friend, do you thirst? Amen. If you're lost, are you thirsting for salvation yet? Oh, man, that's why we give people the word of God. Amen. Just keep giving them the salt. Just keep giving them the salt. Amen. Uh, till they become thirsty enough uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we as believers, amen, what do we find ourselves uh, thirsting for? Let's think about that as we pray.